Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This episode of the Power Ranking Show is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.ag is your number one source for all of your basketball info, news, stats, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's pro basketball playoffs. Bet Online is always your sports information headquarters this season, as they have you covered for all of your sports wagering needs, from basketball to MLB, NHL, right to UFC and boxing. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games that you can play right from your home. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. And of course, those are the dulcet tones of at Marcus underscore motion is the power ranking show, a.k.a. the power rankings podcast. Uh, Marcus, when you have a cold, do you sound a little bit like Stevie Nicks? Maybe oh, a little James that. Taylor in there. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you look like you just left Cancun. I look like I just got pulled out of wherever like Lestat did an interview with a vampire. Well, uh, I, I, I told you I've been on the golf course every day, except for you made me do a yeah. podcast today. So I'm not going to be able to get out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, I've got something for you here. It's my, we're going to talk a little history today. So this is my 1980 Dallas Cowboys nightlight. Uh, I think it was my brother's actually. What do you, how do you feel about it? Have you ever seen one of these? I have not. That's pretty cool. They made them for all the teams. And I FaceTime my buddy Sudsy and I was showing him all this football memorabilia I have at my mom's house. And <clears throat> this is the thing he wanted me to stop on. He goes, wait, wait, what was that? He didn't want to see like a Gail Sayers rookie card. He wanted yeah. to see my 1980 Dallas nightlight. He's like, oh, we had a Philadelphia Eagles one. So there you go. Uh, Pretty cool. It still works, barely. So you still use it? Uh, no. no. <laughs> oh, okay. No, my, my mom puts this nightlight in the bathroom that smells like eucalyptus. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. overpowering. Yes. So anyway, uh, eucalyptus, Stevie Nicks, we're off to a fast start. Um, I'm sure a lot of you guys saw the other day that Jim Brown passed away. And we're not doing a podcast on Jim Brown, per se. It's It's been a few days now, and we kind of wanted to just talk about you know, Jim Brown is widely considered the greatest running back to ever play the game, and he's some circles was considered the greatest player to ever play the game. Uh, that's obviously debatable with Tom Brady, Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, a host of others, maybe Lawrence Taylor for you defensive folks. Um, But we thought we would do the best running backs of all time. Now, I think you guys all know that I'm kind of the history nerd of the two of us. But in the offseason, Marcus does most of our rankings. Oh, hey, last week I did do fantasy rankings. It shocked you. If you didn't uh, listen to that podcast, I did your five uh, buys and your five buyer bewares uh, fantasy. That was kind of fun. Uh, We never do that. But uh, Marcus, I asked him, I said, hey, can you do your top eight? running backs of all time. 
And he did. And he didn't go. I thought he was going to do like since 1990, because usually that's what Marcus does. He's lame like that. Mm-hmm. But no, but no, there's pre guys. There's guys before Tom Brady played football on this list. So what was your criteria, my friend? What, what were, how did you look at this? I just went with the guys that had either like the best stats or the most fun play style or the guys that I thought were the most impactful in the NFL. So that's basically just a way of me saying I didn't really have a criteria. I just picked the guys I liked the best. (laughs) All right. Very good. Very good. Here's what I'm curious about with you, because we uh, last year we did a podcast where you went through 25 of the best receivers ever. And that was fun. And because we got a lot of names on there and we had a second list of 25 because Marcus has spreadsheets for all this, by the way. Right. And I'm curious, are you one of those people like the crescendo is really important to you? Like what was their three year peak? Yes. Or is longevity more important to you or is impact on the game versatility? What's most important to you? Longevity is certainly not the top. That's why we don't. I mean, I'm going to spoil this. But Frank Gore, who's like fourth all time in rushing yards, is not on the top list. And Emmett Smith is not at number one. Right. So you're right. I care about the peak like in your first three or four years. How does that stack up compared to some of these other running backs? And you're going to see some of these guys that put together historic three and four year runs are going to rank higher than guys that have more, you know, better counting stats. I got it. All right. Well, let's get started with the list. We're going to go through his list and then we're going to talk. We're going to talk about it. Uh, So let's go with number eight here. I see two Rams helmets at eight and seven. If you guys are listening, by the way, uh, we, you know, we have a channel on YouTube. You can watch these uh, podcasts on YouTube. Uh, We do it through Brinks TV as well. And the Believe Network. So um, there's ways to watch this if you want to see. We we uh, have cool graphics. But if you're listening, we got a Rams helmet at eight and at seven. So yes. let's start with eight. Yeah, we got Todd Gurley at eight. No, it's not Todd Gurley. <laughs> yeah. uh, the eight was really hard. This is the hardest spot that I had because there's so many other or so many good running backs that I left off between Earl Campbell and OJ Simpson and Marcus Allen and Tony Dorsett. But I went with Eric Dickerson just because the start of his career was unbelievable. I think the first six years of his career, he averaged almost 1,900 yards from scrimmage throughout all six seasons. Uh, went back-to-back to over 2,000-yard years. Uh, just just a phenomenal player. And I loved the way he ran. I just He was so much fun to watch. Yeah, Eric Dickerson, uh, 1808, his rookie year, 2105, his second year. No, I'm not reading this off a page in case you are listening. Uh, his third year, he only had about 1234, but that's because he held out. Uh, fourth year, he comes back around 1851, somewhere in that area. Uh, then the strike year of 87, he only had like 1,200 and something yards. Then 88, his sixth year in the league, he comes back with over 1,600 yards rushing. That's insane, man. Uh, I was going to say, you should mention, those are all his rushing totals. Not total yes. yards from scrimmage, but rushing yes. totals. Now, he was not a big pass catching back. His rookie year uh, for the Rams, he caught 51 balls, but... That was, I believe, his high watermark for the rest of his career. The Rams really ran the ball to him. They threw to their fullback, whether it was Barry Redden or Mike Gooman. Um, but, man, absolutely fantastic. The only thing my, – here's my only quibble with Eric sure. Dickerson real quick. Eric Dickerson's Rams offensive line was absolutely insanely good. Mm-hmm. They had, at one time, at least three Pro Bowlers. And at one time, I think they had five starters that had all made the Pro Bowl at some point in their career. Um even with the Colts, his offensive line was pretty doggone good. Some yep. of y'all may remember Ray Donaldson. That was his center with the Colts. He ended up playing for Dallas, replacing Mark Stepnoski as center. Um, 
you don't ever get that excuse for Emmett Smith. You always, in other words, no, you, you know, he gets hammered for this, and Eric Dickerson doesn't. Just wanted to say that Dickerson has the best offensive lineup I've ever seen. Okay, number seven, we got another Rams graphic. Yeah, I think it, I know where we're going. Yeah, it's uh, it's Trey Mason. No, it's not. It's Marshall Falk, uh, who I think of all the players in this list, probably his game translates the best to the modern day NFL, right? Because yeah. yeah. Listen, we always talk about, hey, this guy could move out to slot receiver and be a good slot receiver. That's that's not really the case. Like we we exaggerate that with a lot of the running backs. That's that absolutely is the case for Marshall Falk. Just an unbelievable receiver. He was so dynamic and he really was the engine of the the greatest show on turf because he could do so much for them. Yeah. So a couple things on this. I agree with you. Uh, I heard him called the queen on the chessboard. You know, you can move him anywhere in the offense, and he was the most powerful piece on the board. And and around the year 2000, that's the year he won his MVP. Now, that's not one of the Rams' great years. They lost in the wild card that year, the Saints. But uh, do you remember the Ram who fumbled the punt return in that game, Marcus? little trivia that cost them the game. Mm. Oh, oh. It was really fast receiver. Really fast. Was it Azakim? Azakim. There you go. You got it. Um, But – uh, I'll say this about Marshall Falk. Some really good years with the Colts. Uh, 98, 1,000 yards rushing, 1,000 yards receiving. Uh, at 94, he was phenomenal as a rookie running back for that team. Um, I just want to correct one thing, though. Speaking of the Colts, this is one of Bill Belichick's guys. If you watch the NFL Top 100, Lenny Moore was going out of the backfield and lining up wide all the time in the late 50s and early 60s. So we sometimes need to tap the brakes with people that think, oh, man, the game's so much more complex now, bro. Yeah, it's not, those guys couldn't play. Okay, all right, let's go to number six. It's Adrian Peterson. Uh, man, I'm telling you, when, when Adrian Peterson was at his peak, there was not a player that scared you more in the NFL when he got the ball because he was so big, so fast, and all he needed was you know a, a little bit of daylight, and he could take it to the house. Now, he had his problems fumbling and was not a great receiver, but as a pure runner, I don't know if there was two or three guys better in NFL history than Peterson. Yeah, I was worried that you were going to fumble away the sixth spot, but you you really nailed it here with Adrian Peterson. Uh, you know, but uh, you know, I think the big criticism with Peterson actually isn't the fumbling. It's it's, it's and I know it's not the fumbling. Is that he wasn't really involved in the passing game and that he missed some years. But who cares, man? I mean, from a so from on field standpoint, on field. This guy is as good as it gets. In 2012, he had one of the greatest years any player in the NFL has ever had. Coming back from the knee injury that he suffered in December of 2011, it was a late-season injury. He gets off to a slow start in 2012. And I think, Marcus, he ran for 2,096. Does that sound about right? Yep. I know he's really close to Dickerson's total. And I remember the final game of that year, they needed to beat Green Bay with Christian Ponder at quarterback to make the playoffs. And Peterson had an amazing game and they did it. And um, yeah, I, I, I can't argue with this one. Uh, I don't think he's a compiler. I think he was dominant. Yeah, he's one of the few running backs that I've literally seen carry his team to the playoffs. Like that, you mentioned the Christian Ponder team. The team was awful and they still made the playoffs. And I think, was it Joe Webb that started the playoff game uh, that year? And I'm, they lost. But I mean, just he was unbelievable. Okay, I see a Cowboys helmet here at number five. I know who I want this to be, and I know who it's not going to be. So go ahead. It I mean, ain't double threes, is it? It's not Ezekiel Elliott, right? Because uh, <laughs> you love your Ezekiel Elliott. No, it's Emmett Smith. Come on. It's Emmett Smith, the all-time leading rusher. Uh, I, one of the best, you know, pure running backs that we've had. He's so complete. You can use him as a receiver out of the backfield. 
For my money, I think he's the second best goal line running back of all time. There's one more that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Uh, I know a lot of people talk about the offensive line. He had a good offensive line. There's no argument. But that's not the reason why he's the all-time leading rusher. The longevity is very impressive. You just knew every season what you're going to get from Emmett Smith, and that does matter. Yeah, so uh, when I said double threes, of course, I was referring to Tony Dorsett, who I think might have been a better pure runner than Emmett, but Emmett was a more complete player. And Emmett in the playoffs really took over, and I think that's where people really underrate him is, okay, if Barry Sanders is so much better than Emmett Smith, then compare their postseason numbers. And if you say, yeah, well, Emmett had a better supporting cast, yeah, well, the competition, the deeper you go in the playoffs, is better as well. And look at Emmett's Super Bowl numbers. Look yes. at his championship game numbers against the best teams the league had to offer. I mean, those 49ers teams were great. Yes. Great teams. Um, you know, I've always felt like Emmett's been treated unfairly. Uh, he's not like one of my favorite players of all time or anything like that, but his offensive line was great from 1990 to 1995. And by 1996, it started to fall apart, okay? 1990 to 1995, Marcus, is only his first six years, okay? Mm-hmm. But if you look at, like, 98, he runs for over 1,300 yards. That's his ninth year in the league. 99, he ran for 1,399. That's his 10th year in the league. Exactly. Uh, 2000, when the Cowboys were horrible and they lost Joey Galloway the first week of the season, they went, what, 5-11. and 11. He runs for over 1,200 yards in year 11. Uh, he's a great player. Did I have him too low? Yes, probably. Uh, because the guy you have, number four, I see the Chargers helmet. I know that isn't Chuck Muncie. I know it's not Keith Lincoln. Uh, I know it's not Dickie Post or Paul Lowe. I can keep going. Darren uh, Marion Butts. It's not Darren Sproles. Michael it's Turner? Not... <laughs> no. So go ahead. Uh, go ahead with your fandom. Here we go. It's LaDainian Tomlinson who... We talk about the peaks of their careers, right? He had a two-year stretch where he scored 55 touchdowns for the Chargers. Uh, He was their entire offense. They were the number one offense in the league both years uh, because of LT. He could literally do everything. And even later in his career, when he was with the Jets, I know he got injured, but I still thought he was a pretty valuable player then. I think in terms of watchability. I think he's right there next to the guy that I have number three. He was just electric to watch. Yeah. So uh, I love LT. I worked with him full disclosure here. We got along great. Um, You know, we didn't work together a lot on shows. We just got to know each other a little bit. Uh, We're both from Texas and, and, uh, you know, just a, a a good dude, a really good dude. Um, But I think even he would have a problem with you putting him ahead of Emmett. I I know, but I I get it. Emmett was his childhood hero, right? That's the guy he always looked up to. So it would be weird for him to rank himself ahead of Emmett. But what was was LT's weakness? Like, if he had to poke a hole in his game, what was it? Because I don't think he had one. I I don't think so either. I mean, he was explosive. He's more explosive than Emmett was. Um, you know, obviously he was a great running back. He could catch the ball, caught more balls than Emmett. But a lot of that was a product of the the, the offense. offense. Yep. Um, the Cowboys, they actually they ran very similar schemes because LaDainian Tomlinson played for the North Turner Chargers right. as well. Um, but the way you implement that schemes is always different. You know, the 80s Chargers didn't run Chuck Muncie as much as the Cowboys ran Emmett. The reason the Cowboys ran Emmett is because Emmett was so doggone effective, even yep. against stacked boxes. Um, I'll say this, though. Uh LT could do it all. He he uh, he was extremely tough, and he was great. I thought in 2010 for the Jets, just oh, fantastic. Gosh, yeah. Ran for about 900 yards. 
was important to him in the playoffs. They used him inside the 10 very effectively. I'm down with you. Now, number so, three, oh, go really, ahead. really quickly, let's, I'm good. If you want to swap Emmett and LT, I'm not going to fight you on that. But we're in agreement that LT is a better running back than Adrian Peterson, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'll because I that. think there's a lot of people out there that would put Adrian Peterson ahead of LT, and I just I can't understand it. I think if this were my list, I'd have your Cowboys helmet at four, your Lions helmet at three, and then we'll talk about two and one in a second. So let's okay. talk about that line. I'd love it, man, if this was Billy Sims. You want to talk about a great back who's still very high on the NFL's all-time list in terms of rushing yards per game. I believe he's like six all-time, believe it or not. But he got hurt in year five, Billy Sims, former Heisman Trophy winner, Oklahoma. He wore number 20. And Lions fans, four years later, we're going to get the best number 20 they've ever had. And the Lions have had three great number 20s. So uh, let's talk about Barry Sanders. Yeah, it's not Mikel LaShore. It's not Tatum Bell. It's not Javid Best. Uh, It's Barry Sanders, who, my goodness, if you you weren't old, or I guess... Yeah, old enough to watch Barry Sanders, right? Uh, he was – I've never seen a running back like him, and I don't think we ever will, right? His running style was so unique. And I know this is something that you talk about a lot. Like, you think the NFL running backs now, for the most part, all kind of run the same, right? It's that one cut and go. Yeah. Even in the 90s, Barry Sanders was so different from any running back. I mean, his ability to break tackles and make guys miss and play 15 yards behind this line of scrimmage and still make a play down the field, it, it, it was awesome to watch. The last unique running backs we've had in the league are Marshawn Lynch and uh, Le'Veon Bell and Arian Foster, I would say. Um, yeah, Barry Sanders' running style, his moves, his vision – um, you know, the criticism of him was the negative runs, but everyone always puts him over Emmett. I would say that Emmett, I would put him over Emmett as well, um, but barely. Uh, Emmett was a more complete player than Barry Sanders was. Better in the postseason, better blocker, better receiver, period. But Barry was the kind of guy that scared you like Randy Moss did, and he also gave it his absolute best effort all the time. I mean, year 10 for him, he ran for I think 1,500 and something yards, uh, you know, for a bad Lions 98 team. My only thing with Barry Sanders that bums me out is not Barry Sanders at all, and it's not his fault. Uh, He's a great dude, too. I've met him multiple times. But the 90s Lions were not a big bag of, you know. They weren't a bad team. Like, they had multiple Pro Bowl offensive linemen. They had a functional offense. It wasn't like this is him on the – 2022 Houston Texans or anything like that. Exactly. Herman Moore, great player. Chris Spielman, great player. Benny Blades, great player. Ray Crockett, really good player. Luther Ellis, really good player. Robert Porsche, really good player. These are all good. Brett Perriman, really good player. Uh, Quarterback was always the issue with this team, but I have no problem with this spot at number three. A really, maybe the most unique player on this list so far. Uh, Number two is probably the best all around football player I've ever seen. Yeah, it's Walter Payton, right? I mean, we we always talk about the 85 Bears defense, but I mean, because they're historically great, right? Yeah. Walter Payton was the reason that team was as good as it was, right? Because the entire offense ran through him. Again, another player that had a really unique running style was so good. Once you got him inside the three yard line, like his ability just to jump over the offensive line and get in the end zone was, I don't want to say it's unique, but he was the best I think I've ever seen at doing that. Uh, so we have sweetness at number two. I don't know how you can argue him anywhere else. 
I'm not trying to be a nerd here, but I think he had 1,553 rushing yards that year. Yeah. Caught, I want to say, 49 balls. He led the Bears in receptions. So you're talking about a 2,000-yard year. That was year 11. Yeah. Year 11. That wasn't peak, that wasn't peak Walter Payton by, you know, by a long shot. No, 84, he had 1,684 yards. That's the year he broke the rushing record. His best year and the best year ever for a running back, and there was this really good football analyst that did a YouTube video on this. You might check it out. I don't remember his name, but he did it with a guy named Cave, who's a great guy. Shout out to Cave. Uh, 1977, Peyton had 1,850-something yards in 14 games for a team that had like two or three guys on the roster that had ever or would ever make the Pro Bowl. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And led them to the playoffs and ran for 275 yards with the flu against Minnesota, the original flu game. Um, yeah. Walter Payton could throw the ball through two touchdowns in one game yeah. against the Saints. One of them was a dime in the back of the end zone. That was in 1983. I could go on and on. Uh, year 12, he has 1,333 yards rushing. Uh, that's a great year. Yeah. That's a great year when, when running the football mattered. Okay. These aren't empty calories. Um, yeah, I, there's not much more I could say. So obviously we're going to know who number one is here. Yeah, it's Jim Brown. And of course, I didn't get to watch any Jim Brown games live because I wasn't, you know, not that old. Right. But all I've seen highlights. But honestly, the thing is, you just you listen to other players or other sports writers talk about Jim Brown and they're all in agreement. Like this is one of the best football players to ever play. Maybe the best ever to play. We know his stats are unreal. But we don't really, I mean, for the most part, I don't think anybody could name who Jim Brown's quarterbacks were when he played, right? Like, that's how great he was. He was the offense for the Cleveland Browns. You watch some of the highlights, and the runs are, I mean, it's 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 unreal. They look like video game runs, how many tackles he's breaking, and guys are hanging off of him and making plays. It's, I don't know how you could have anybody else but at number one except for Jim Brown. Yeah, he could break tackles. He could go long. He wasn't really involved in the passing game uh, as much, but they also the 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 game centered around the running back position. Uh, Jim Brown's 1963 season is considered his best. He ran for 1863 uh, in 14 games, but I actually think his 58 or was it 59? I think it was 58. He ran for over 1500 yards in 12 games um, when everyone was keyed on him. Everyone was keyed on him, and the Browns didn't really have a great quarterback. The quarterback they had was a guy named Milt Plum. The thing with the Browns, and does that name scare you or what? Milt Plum. Milt Plum, not at all. Yeah. Uh, in 63, 64, 65, Cleveland was a really good football team under Blanton Collier, and, and Jim Brown wasn't the only focal point of that team. Um, you lead the league in rushing eight out of your nine years. It's not uh, bad. It's, it's pretty doggone impressive. His one off year, he ran for 996 in a 14-game season. He got beat by Jim Taylor. Uh, who is a Hall of Famer, played for the Packers. Um, You really can't beat that kind of record. And then to basically be uh, the best player in football when you retire, he retired in 1965. I think in 65, he had 1,500 yards and close to 20 touchdowns and retired and played in the championship game. Cleveland lost. I have no disagreement with this. You know, I was thinking about naming some names here that aren't on the list, but maybe we should do a short of my next eight. Mm, I like that idea. What do you so, think? I like that. So what's your biggest disagreement on the list? Is there is there one glaring name that you don't think deserves to be in the top eight? Oh, you know, I don't, I don't know what to do with Adrian Peterson and Marshall Falk. 
I've got no problem with Eric Dickerson here. First of all, I don't know which one I would put over the other. Peterson had the longevity. Marshall Falk could do more. Yeah. I know one of them would be in my top eight. I'm just not sure which one, you know. Uh, there's a guy so, that's not on this list that I think is the greatest power back of all time. I think hmm. you could probably guess who I'm thinking. I, I think I got it. Yep. Yes, because power backs aren't going to have the longevity unless you're this one ridiculous power back who will be on the next eight. Um, but I uh, overall, I think it's really good. So I wouldn't know what to do with those two guys. I would flip flop Emmett with Ladanian. I don't have a problem with Ladanian in the top eight, uh, but I have a problem with him over Emmett. But I think Brown, Peyton, Barry, Emmett is a really, really solid top four. And then I think it's a dealer's choice at five. Do you go LT? Do you go Eric Dickerson? Because no NFL player, not just running back, no NFL player had a better start to his career than Eric Dickerson. Um, 3,900 rushing yards in his first two years. I mean, that's, that's, that'll never be done again. Can we agree on that? Never, never. Uh, It's just really hard with some of the guys like Earl Campbell, who, I mean, and you watch some of the Earl Campbell games when he he was with the Houston Oilers and there's so much fun, right? Or Marcus Allen, who, you know, split time at running back with some other, you know, pretty good backs, right? It's, We've had a lot of really good running backs in NFL history. So to, to just name the top eight is very difficult. Yeah. And, and my final thought on this is you have to remember, too, if you're out there and you're one of our younger listeners, maybe you're 20, uh, 19, 22, whatever, running back was a glamour position in the 80s and 90s. And it's just not anymore. And so it's right. difficult to compare these guys. The kind of defenses that Emmett and Barry and Walter were seeing are not the kind of defenses Christian McCaffrey's seeing. I mean, how often is Christian McCaffrey – even if he's got eight in the box, they're worried about him going out wide. They're worried about what Shanahan's going to do with him. Very few teams are stacking and loading against the run two out of three downs. Would you yes. agree with that? I, I agree. Uh, it's more like one out of the three downs. But um, I, I got I got one quick question for you before yeah. we go. Yeah. If you're looking at running backs outside of the top eight, not by their career, but just one game in their peak that would scare you the most, who would it be? I think that's got to be Gail Sayers. It's really hard for it not to be. 1965, uh, second to last or last game of the season, he plays the 49ers, and he scores six touchdowns. Punt return touchdown, a run, t- uh, a really long run. Um, I mean, as a rookie, Gail Sayers ran for like 900-something yards, averaged 30 yards a kick return, scored 22 touchdowns in 14 games because he hadn't had any injuries yet, Marcus. Mm-hmm. And he was a threat to go anytime with better speed than Barry Sanders. And the only guy in NFL history that I think had Barry Sanders moves. But Barry's moves were more lateral. Gale Sayers had these violent cuts that mm-hmm. would leave you grasping at air, but he was just too fast. Um, I think everybody wonders what if with that. But before we go, I want quick 20 seconds. Who wins uh, game five? Heat Celtics. Oh, it's back in Boston. Boston with a little bit of momentum after stealing a game in Miami. I think Boston's going to win. And then we're going to have a really exciting game six in Miami to see if they can close out the series. It's been a a series with not a lot of great games so far, but I got a feeling game five is going to be a lot of fun. Any way Boston comes back and wins the series. Sure. They've been the better team all regular season. They've got the more talented roster. Two of the next three games are at home. Why not? Wow. Okay. I watched uh, game three and it was an abomination. Yeah, it was not great. Oh my gosh. Miami was up like 30 something 
playing backups in the fourth quarter and uh, the dude with the rec specs was getting a lot of minutes. Anytime you see a dude with rec specs getting a lot of minutes, you know, yeah, you know, it's like Cody Zeller. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, he is the voice of Locked On Cowboys. He does it with Landon McCool. He and Landon do a really great job. Check that out on the Locked On Network. Uh, Marcus also hosts uh, Locked On Dynasty. We never really talk about it unless we have a random fantasy podcast, and don't be expecting that for a while. Uh, he also <laughs> covers the Raiders for USA Today, Raiders Wire, and does some writing for PFF. He's at Marcus underscore Mosher on Twitter. I'm at Harrison NFL on Twitter. We really appreciate you guys. And uh, hey, take care. Until next time.